this is Kayla. And this is Desi. And you're listening to Sunday Sips. Talks about the culture. What are we drinking today? Today is a dark liquor day. We have um, Jim Bean Honey. And I got these new stemless wine glasses. So I know you're not supposed to pour Jim Bean into wine glasses, but I love these glasses so much, I thought we'd use them. So, cheers. I love how we both took a sip, like, right before we started. It's it's a we-need-to-take-a-sip kind of episode. Yeah. So give me a review on the Jim Beam first. How do you like it? Oh, um, actually, it's really smooth. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I'm not, like, a big drinker, but I could sip this all day, actually. It's not bad. Like, I, it's a good choice. Thank you. Yeah, it's very light. It's a little <clears> sweet <throat> aftertaste. I usually, I'm a big bourbon person, so I like dark liquors. I usually don't like flavored dark liquor. But this one was in the house, thanks to my dad. So he put me on to it. Shout out, Dad. (laughs) Oh, man. So, um, well, we took a break. Mm -hmm. Um, Last week, we ended up not recording anything. Um, There was just a lot going on, both in our lives personally and in our country nationally that you know it was just it was too much so we actually decided to take some space mm-hmm. and time for ourselves um and i'm proud of us for doing that um for both of us recognizing that we needed the self-care yeah and, me too uh, i'm proud of that because i feel like there was a place in my life where i'd want to just push through right because part of me felt like well if i'm not saying something they think that I don't care mm. or or that I'm being silent which if you follow me on social media I am not being silent not at all but um it's just you had to do it in doses and you have to like take breaks mm. and take care of yourself so that's what we did absolutely um but we also um did a couple of things that I think we could talk through because I think it segues to our topic so yeah. Friday night last Friday uh, what, what do we do? So last, well, last Friday I came over, we made posters. With my friend Jacqueline. Yes, Jacqueline. Shout out. Shout out Jacqueline. She's a sweetheart. And then we made posters because they actually um, had plans to go downtown Cleveland mm-hmm. for the um, protests. Yeah. Um, and then I, unfortunately, had plans already for Saturday so I couldn't make it but I got to come over Friday night and help like make posters and drink yeah we sure <laughs> and did have that. good conversations and, and bomba taco yes oh, tacos <laughs> little shrimp tacos yeah so that was dope too it was really dope to like I had I was already like on like an energy high because it was my teacher's alumni induction uh, I do want to say like the alumni induction was an amazing experience for me because these teachers I've seen for the past two years and to see the leaders they've developed into, I'm just so proud of like who we are putting out in front of kids. But also like then to do that and then like, you know, be a part of something where it's like, I'm going to go out and like really like use my voice. And it's for me, it's like, I'm angry for the reason we're doing this, but like I'm really, um, I feel like I'm like grateful that like I have people in my life who are like are passionate like I am and like now we're going out and like doing something. Mm-hmm. So it was really good to like have people in the house like making a poster, but it was like really somber. Like I made the poster um, with like all like not all but like many of the names of like black women who have been like um, killed in police custody. Yeah. According to police brutality, and as I was writing the names, I was like 
why in the world is there still a name to write one after another? And how come I don't know some of these names? Mm-hmm. Like, that was my thought. So then, like, Saturday we go, like, I went to the protest. And it was, like, a really humbling experience to see so many people, like, unified. Um, and I saw some teachers that, like, I worked with, like, were, like, first-year teachers when I started my job. And to see both of us together there. And so I had seen in, like, two or three months because, like, schools closed yeah. down. So, like, of course we hugged. Despite COVID, I hugged them. <laughs> um, and then, like, me and Jacqueline went to make masks afterwards with, like, different information, like, voter registration. And I just remember being, like, no matter what's happening right now, I just want to be on the right side of history. And, like, that was my thought. And, like, right after I left to make the mask, that's when, um, I guess, like, the riots were starting like right when I was leaving you know what time that was it was like around four that early yeah one afternoon yeah it was around four um because me and Jacqueline were like trying to like get to our cars and we saw like cops kind of going towards like Cuyahoga um like the county jail and we're like why are they going towards that and it's because like people had started like spray painting um and so like that's right when it started but we were already heading somewhere else So that was really weird to have been like, I was just in a moment where things were so peaceful. And like, I remember like we parked across the street from the jail, like there was like some of the inmates like banging on the windows to like let us Mm -hmm. know they saw us. Mm -hmm. And we were like waving to them with our signs. And then like we were like walking the street. And I remember like seeing people like reading everybody's signs, like, you know, people are taking pictures Like we took a knee. And like, I remember just it feeling like such like a powerful experience looking around and being like I don't know I kind of had this feeling of like I feel like in the future I'm gonna like have to answer for like what I'm doing in this time mm. and so it's a real historical moment like, yeah like, we're so, living it yeah and so I feel like in these moments I'm like am I in the right place doing the right thing and you are and in that moment I felt like not just me but I'm so thankful to see so many people around me doing it too that's real um, and then I leave and people are texting like, are you okay? And so then it's like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? Um, so like, that's kind of what I was battling. And then you were in Columbus and I remember you called me right when you were leaving Columbus. So do you want to talk about like your experience being in a different city yeah, last weekend? I was like, when I called you, I was freaking out. I went down to Columbus to visit my best friend for the day, and um, Columbus is a, the state capital of Ohio. Yeah, sometimes I forget and feel like it's Cleveland, but that's just me living it's, in Cleveland and loving right. Cleveland. <laughs> it's Columbus. So, like, um, when I was there, they had sent out an Amber Alert for a curfew. Mm. I think it was, like, the curfew was going to be in place at 9 p.m. So, you know, I'm like... I had a long drive ahead of me anyway, so I, like, kind of wrapped up my visit, and then I left, I left my friend's house, who lives, like, pretty close to downtown, um, it's, like, a little trendy, like, neighborhood right next to downtown, and, um, when I left, I saw, like, all these cruisers, like, everywhere, I drove, um, maybe a mile down the street, and there was, this guy who was flat out on the ground in the intersection and there were like at least two cruisers like looking down at him and the traffic was stopped and I eventually got through that and then like every road that I would need to turn down to get um, onto the highway mm-hmm. was blocked off by the police like they mm-hmm. had the entire downtown blocked off and you could mm-hmm. look 
like down different streets and I saw like this car literally on fire. Is that when you called me? Yeah, I was like, holy shit. And then, like, I look in my rear view mirror, and I've got, mm-hmm. like, three cruisers, like, speeding up, you know, behind me that's about to come past me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know where to go because mm-hmm. I'm trying to reroute myself to mm-hmm. get on 71. Mm-hmm. And then it was scary as fuck. Yeah. Like, I, I really, like, started shaking. I mm-hmm. saw people, like, on the street being stopped by three and four police cruisers. Oh, my God. Like, we're talking about, like, groups of police officers, yeah. like, not one or two. Like, it was insane. I remember I got a text message. Um, I got a text message at, like, it was ridiculous, like, like 7.45 or something, saying there was a curfew being in place for, like, 8 p.m. So I'm sitting there, like, you're giving people 15 minutes to get home right. from wherever they were. Wherever so, you are. Wherever you are. Like, you got 15 minutes. It's almost like you just realize the streetlights are coming on. <laughs> like, get home. But I was just over my friend uh, Leanne's house, and her one of their friends was over there, and he was telling me he lives downtown, and he had just, like, just got off of work or something, something crazy. Uh-huh. And he said he had got the alert. He was like, they had given us 10 minutes. <laughs> like, he said people in downtown were, like, freaking out. Like, you had 10 minutes to get to your apartment or you were, like, getting arrested. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I have my home feelings about that. So that's what was happening kind of like last weekend, um, you know, and we just were not in a place to even try and record after everything. <laughs> um, but so th- I guess that kind of like segues us kind of into our topic. Like what we're talking about today is like the culture is fed up. The mix of COVID-19 and how that's like broken down systems in America mixed with the police brutality that we are seeing on social media at a higher rate. I only want to see it at a higher rate because I feel like we just now have platforms to document things that have been happening. Yes. So I feel like with the back-to-back police brutality we're seeing in the social media and the mix of like COVID-19 and the disparities we are seeing that it is, you cannot deny how prevalent racism is in America. I think we are at a as a country, we're just completely fed up. And that's the thing, because I think what makes it different this time is that everybody's mm-hmm. fed up because mm-hmm. it wasn't that way all the time. And I know from personal experience and even in my own family members, they didn't see it as a problem that mm-hmm. of theirs. It wasn't mm-hmm. their problem. Mm-hmm. It's somebody else's. And I think now, due to social media mm-hmm. and due to like all of the cameras and technology, mm-hmm. like what's always been there and what the black community has known has mm-hmm. always been there. Mm-hmm. The white community now sees and, and like, they're like in some real denial, mm-hmm. like real denial. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, Oh my God, like this is opening up their eyes for the first time. And they're seeing like black people were right. Mm-hmm. They do get pulled over for nothing. You was real frustrated <laughs> the way you saying that. I was <laughs> But that's one of the pillars of white privilege. Yes. A piece of white privilege is the the ultimate privilege is you don't have to recognize you have the privilege to still live life with it. It also it makes it different because like you said, like social media, it's in front of their faces. They cannot deny it. But I think it's also a piece of and I was I was talking to my friend and I said one thing that I just want to say is like white people first. And not everybody, but as a whole, we're just going to speak as a whole. First, admit that, like, privilege feels good to have. 
Like it's it's nice mm-hmm. to operate in life and feel like you have a benefit or that life is comfortable or life could be easier. I benefited from my mom's privilege and it was wonderful. Like I first first admit it. Admitting that to me is like I'm not counting you as more of a racist person. I'm counting you as acknowledging for what it is. If you ignore that privilege, to me that's racist because you are allowing this system to continuously go. Like if you ignore something, that means you're neutral. And like Desmond Tutu said, and, you know, if you're going against, like, the oppressor and who's being oppressed, parties who are neutral are in favor of the oppressor. If an elephant has his foot on a mouse's tail, the mouse will not respect your neutrality. So if you're neutral in something, you're letting it keep going. So if you say, oh, I don't see it, uh, like the, I don't see color, or like, Mm. this isn't a thing, or like, I don't think I benefit from this, or I don't see it, you're letting it keep going. If you... That's the subtleties because I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I don't see color. That's like, I think that's a good response to say. Here's my response to I don't see color. If I go to you, if I go with you to the mall and I get lost and you need help finding me and they say, describe Andesia, you can't say, I never saw the color of her skin. Mm. I don't know. I didn't see it. (laughs) Like you see it. What it is, is you don't want to be, um, you don't want to be known as making prejudiced decisions based off of color, but you see it. So for you to like ignore something actually lets the system keep going. Mm. But once you can just say, hey, it is here. I've benefited from it. Here's some guilt I have. I need to process this and I need to help fix this until you admit it. You're not getting nowhere. Shut up, (laughs) but so I feel like COVID going to like my point, COVID-19 has broken down so many systems in America that we thought were safe. People who were supposed to have secure jobs didn't have secure jobs. People who were supposed to, you know, be able to like be safe in this moment aren't safe. COVID came for everybody as far as employment goes. Now, as far as like who's getting treated and tested and who's like dying at a higher rate, that's still very, very inequitable. But it's a matter of like the privilege I thought I was just entitled to could leave at any moment. So now everybody's scared. Mm -hmm. Everybody feels like their job is on the line. Everyone feels like their security in life is on the line. So now what everyone is feeling, this is what people of color have been feeling forever. Like one of my friends was afraid of losing her job. I said like, Honey, like, every day I got a 50-50 chance of having a job. Either I do or I don't. I'm like, so we're in Ohio, and Ohio is at an at-will employee employment state. So, honestly, you could get fired at any day for any reason. They ain't got to tell you why. I mean, they might, but. So, what I'm saying is, like, since everybody now is uncomfortable, like, since now we're all uncomfortable, now we can have these conversations. At one point, people were comfortable in living in that comfort and mm-hmm. didn't want to let go of that. But now we're willing to risk it all because everything feels uncertain. Yeah. Um, back to when you were saying, like, everything is uncertain. Yeah. I think also, like, the government's response to this entire crisis Man. has been terrible at best um it's like embarrassing other countries are watching us these protests are happening now in other countries like the spotlight is on america and trump can't even lead us i just 
like a part of me wants to know what's happening in my country because mm-hmm. I am a citizen of my country. Mm-hmm. But when I have to pay attention to what's happening in my White House, honey, <laughs> and I see the leader of our country tear gassing peaceful protesters someone who downtown was meditating and got tear gas so peaceful protesters so he could clear the way in front of a church Uh god's home Uh and hold up a bible as if the word of god is a justification for anything that he does but then when it was those like white men who were doing protests with those Home Depot tiki torches. What did mm-hmm. he call them? Um, they were very nice people. On they were like responsible citizens or something. They were, I don't know. I know you were doing a lot of research on this topic to the point where I had called you and been like, please get off your phone. Uh, well, like it's just, <laughs> I have always been into politics. Mm-hmm. And before this, we were talking about the election. And now, like, there was a real sharp shift (laughs) real quick. And every time I watch Good Morning America, now we're talking about another, like, riot Mm -hmm. or... And I hate the way the news covers it, too. Well, honestly, let me take that back. They have been saying that the the most of the protests have been peaceful. Yeah. And I think that there are some outsiders... Like, there have been a small group of people uh-huh. who go to these different protests because they've seen their faces, like, caught on camera in multiple states, uh-huh. um, creating bombs and throwing bombs, and they just wreaking yeah. havoc, and, like, this is, like, their organized thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not the majority. Mm-hmm. It's a small minority. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the focus, I mean, really... Who's causing the most violence that we're seeing out there? The police. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that about the obvious smart ass if I said no. that. No. Who's, yeah. ca- who's tasing people and pulling them out of their cars? Man. But also, I do want to say, like, there's a lot of peaceful protests going on, and I am not someone who endorses riots, but there is only so much people are going to take until they are fed up. And I feel like I hear people saying, literally, like, oh, um, they had such a good cause. And then, like, the riot happened, and it completely took away from, like, what they were doing. No, no it doesn't. No. It doesn't take away at all from what is being... No, because the riots... Go ahead. It doesn't take away at all from what they're doing. The cause is the same. Don't sit here and take one behavior and try and justify why change isn't being done. You know what else is, like, I thought was really revealing Tell incident me, that happened lately. Tell me. The the incident that happened in um New York Central Park where the um the white lady and her dog encountered the bird watcher. Honey, that's been that's I know so no no but times. this is this is what is like so revealing is because she is showing like how ingrained it is in in and white people like know what they're doing. Hmm. She claims, well, I don't know. I don't want to say that. But let's say, you know, she, you say, oh, I'm not racist. I, I have black mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. My uh, in-law <laughs> is black. I'm if you can count the black people in your life, <laughs> you, then you're thinking about it. Like, let's just say that. You like, shouldn't be able to say, I have three pe- black people in my life. I'm not racist. Right. You're counting them. But then when you find yourself in danger and your fight or flight reaction is to call the police. Based off of to, skin color. And to say, help, 
that I'm being attacked by a black man and put black in front of man mm-hmm. to describe him, you know what that word is doing. And you mm. know how the police respond to black men and that's mm. why you said it. Mm-hmm. And so people need to look at like the small nuances mm-hmm. because racism isn't overt anymore. Mm-hmm. It's in the subtleties. It's in mm-hmm. the systems. It's in the way that we think. Mm-hmm. We all have prejudice, mm-hmm. white people and black people. I have my own prejudice. It's something we we need to address and get over. Mm. So I had this thought um, when you're talking about how racism is so ingrained. And like your first character, when you said this woman in New York, and I was like, oh, this has like happened so much. I think one frustration, or I don't know, I have like a feeling that there's no words for. And it's like some of the chants in the protests have been said before. Like, I can't breathe has been the thing for like, this is not the first time someone's been detained and not able to breathe and cops don't listen. Yeah. Um, And I guess I've just been thinking about like, how long has this been going on? And someone had asked me like, when was one of the first times like I remember like racism and when this started to like solidify with me. Like when you started to notice it around you mm-hmm. or what do you mean? Like when I realized like something's really, really unfair that I just heard about and it's a race thing. And okay. it was actually, I had to look it up cause it's been on my mind. I think I was like 11 and I was in sixth grade um, and I was going to like St. Christopher's this Catholic school and my grandma was driving me there. And so the year was 2003. I just looked it up. Ray, oh, it was 96.5. And it was probably Russ Parr, who was the oh radio state. Remember Russ Parr in the morning show? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was probably Russ Parr or Tom Joyner. Those were the two. I love Tom Joyner. It's the Tom Joyner <laughs> show. Okay, well, it was one of those. And they were talking about this man was in, um, this man had gotten arrested. His hands were cuffed behind his back. He had a box cutter in his hands. And two officers, like, shot him dead. And I remember being in the car being like, I'm allowed to use a box cutter. Like, my grandpa lets me use that to help him, like, do stuff. That's really scary to think that I could be holding that object Mm -hmm. and the police think it's a weapon. Mm -hmm. I remember being really, really, like, that's really scary. And then I heard them say... They are they were like protesting certain like stores in Louisville like they were like boycotting and like not buying anything for like the whole weekend. And I'm like, oh, if these whole group of people is doing it, something must have been wrong. Like this wasn't right. And I knew it wasn't right in my head. But as I was thinking, I was like, damn, that happened because he's black. Like and I think at that age, I realized like his skin was the weapon. Mm. like it wasn't what he had in his hands he was already a threat because he was a person of color Mm -hmm. and not only was he a threat but he was seen as less of a person Mm -hmm. like I can kill this person and not be held accountable yeah I mean Mm -hmm. you know um wasn't it stated in the constitution we're three-fifths a person Mm -hmm. it was do you think some people still have that mentality probably I mean, you were talking to me about um, how how police are trained is, like, historically grounded in... What were you talking about? Slave catchers? Yes. Like, what were you saying about that? Because I didn't know anything about that. Well, I haven't done much research, so I will definitely, like, encourage you to go look into it more, but... That's fair. Anything we say, please go do research, because <laughs> we are paraphrasing. I'm not a historian. Like, we I... talk through our own experience. I'm not... learning this with you. Yes. <laughs> but uh, 
the police department like mm-hmm. grew out of slave catchers. Hmm. Let's Google it. Unpause. Oh, my bad. All right, so we legit paused and did some research because we both were like, we want to know. Wait, wait a minute. So um, I'm looking, and the article I'm looking at is from The Conversation, and it's written by um, Connie Hassett Walker from Norwich University. I always make sure it's a University of Scholarly article. That's good. Just, check your sources. Yeah, I need to check my sources, especially with the amount of stuff coming out now. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a 2020 article, I really got to check my sources. <laughs> everybody is saying stuff. But so this article, I'm right. I'm I ain't write it. I'm reading. Talked about the beginnings of like patrolling, and so it talks through like policing in southern states really had strong roots in slave patrols which were squadrons made up of white volunteers empowered to use vigilante tactics to enforce law related slavery and so in that point they basically had like precedent or like the freedom to do like whatever they wanted to keep like slaves in control and like catch them and make sure that they're like abiding by like the laws and staying in place mm-hmm. after the slave patrols were formally dissolved quote unquote the police were then using black code so if like the next three years new law specified how when and where african-americans could work how much it could be paid what restrictions they had where, where they could live and what this tells us is um, the judicial system didn't hold police accountable for failing to intervene when black people were murdered by mobs and so from the origins of what was like policing there was no accountability for if somebody like a person of color is harmed or killed in your custody and so like reverberating today is talking about like for the past five decades the federal government has forbidden the use of racist regulations yet people of color are still more likely to be killed by police than whites some of the statistics they give is the newspaper's database indicates that 20, 222 out of 992 people who died um, in 2018, 23% were black. Mm. Even though only 12% of the country is African American. Hmm, it's a little unproportional. I see you poured you some more Jim Bean. I really did. My cup was empty. And I, you want some more? Uh, sure, why not? Like, <laughs> can't hurt none. I'm already home. That's my rule. If I'm already home, I can drink a little bit more. Mm, there you go. So, you know, like we were saying, and I think this could segue into like what needs to actually change because I'm at this place where I'm just like, I really want to see things like different. Like we need laws and policies to change. I think the first thing is we need to change the way police are trained to handle situations. Like there needs to be de-escalation strategies. There needs to be racism and unconscious bias training. Like we need to completely revamp the way we train police. Agreed. And I believe like there, I heard when I lived in Newark, I remember somebody told me, and literally I'm saying it like that because that's the source, mm-hmm. that police are supposed to live in a neighborhood for a certain amount of years, like while they're policing in it or before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where'd that law go? I don't know. I, right, can, I was like, is that a New York I, thing? Newark. Like, My bad. Newark. 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 Uh, New Jersey? Yes. Okay. I miss it there. I don't miss the taxes, but I miss my people there. <laughs> and I'm just like, there needs to be things put in place to where we need to completely revamp the way our police are trained and the way they orient to their work. That's one change yeah. that needs to... What else do you think needs to be um, different? There's a lot of changes that need to happen. I think that... We need to have more real conversations 
with each other and our children. Um, like I know a lot of parents are right now like wondering like how do I have this conversation with my child and how are they processing this and that they don't want to tell them everything. And I say, tell them like and at a level that they'll understand based on their age, mm-hmm. but they see what's going on. And the more that they know, the better that they can process it. And like, and then we wouldn't have this problem. Like if everyone was educated as a small child on the truth, then we wouldn't have adults that didn't know what the fuck was going on. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So yes. I mean, I just talk. Like even if it's yes. uncomfortable. I've had the most uncomfortable conversations in the last mm-hmm. two weeks than I've had in a lifetime. But you can only grow in uncomfortability. Like if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Right. Exactly. What there's that saying, like your comfort zone your your um your growth growth happens outside your comfort zone. That's one of them. There's plenty yeah. of quotes about okay, it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. And then okay, I got like a whole list. I'm Go ahead, girl. Speak. Speak. Go ahead. So yes. I was like, okay. Let me tell you. <laughs> I think that we everyone needs to like look in the mirror. Okay. And challenge your own perspectives. I've been doing it. Some perspectives have been changed, and some have been enforced. Mm, that's real. So. But you need to, like, look at yourself. Am I part of the problem Problem, or am I part of the solution? Like, that's how, really how I feel right now. Or I'm being neutral because if I'm neutral, I'm part of the problem. Exactly. So you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. There is no neutral. Like, mm-hmm. there is no neutral anymore. Mm-hmm. Don't come with me with that, with that neutral. <laughs> She's pissed. And then I say, like, I am pissed. Like, I... You should. Honestly, we all should be pissed. And but do something with that pissed offness. We don't want to like come off as the stereotypical quote unquote angry black woman. So like I try to conceal my pissedness. Fuck it, I'm angry. But like we all should be pissed right now. Yeah. Like, to, if you're not pissed, I want to know why you're not pissed. But like, so I think we need to use that rage mm-hmm. and move it towards action. Mm. So like, take this same energy mm-hmm. and come November, like go vote. Ooh know what you're voting for and know and get your absentee ballots like this is a different time like you need to know what is going on who is running look at people at all levels like Mm. local yes state national at at every level it matters who are we electing for your police officials Ooh, exactly yeah elect them out of out of office or in Mm. office whatever you want to do do it um what else see i got a whole she really does have a list of i think something that i have been working on for if if i may while you look through your list no you do go ahead something that i have been working on for the past couple of years is actually diversifying the group of friends and the group of company i keep i think that it's important to have people in your life who think the same as you and think differently and someone who doesn't think the same as you like it necessarily isn't bad yeah and so like i think even like in our friendship there's a lot of things in the beginning that we didn't see eye to eye on it we grew up very differently but like that was cool and i think that's really important that we need to seek out perspectives that are unlike our own so we can grow and it either changes what we think like you said solidifies it yeah but we're not gonna know until we actually reach out and I mean, I think when it any movement needs people who identify with the movement and allies. Mm-hmm. So, like the civil rights movement needed a face, like Dr. King, it needed a like a person of color to lead it, 
but it also needed people who didn't look like Dr. King to get into doors that he couldn't get into. Mm. I need people who don't look like me, don't sound like me, don't always agree with me, but we can be unified in like the same mission and go after the same thing and you can get to people that I can't influence. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important at this time that we really reach out to people who are different than us and build those coalitions. I love it. That like remind that made me think of our playlist. Ah! Yes. Did you have anything else? Yeah, I did. Um, I think the last thing was like remembering this is like a painful and emotional time for a lot of people. So I find myself in this place of like frustration and I want to be there for people, but a lot of this. I had to figure out on my own and process on my own. Yeah. I didn't learn it in school. Yeah. And so it's like all these feelings like you're having or seeing, I've been feeling this. So like, no, I don't really want to help you right now. But I also have to operate from like, if you didn't know, which sometimes I'm like, you could have known. But like, if you're getting this new thing, if I really, really want progress, what did I think it was going to look like? Like, I have to be real and I have to have like some level of and I'm I don't I can't believe I'm saying this sometimes like I have to have some level of empathy for other people because I for other people like who who are these some my white friends some of your white friends like I do and I sometimes I'm like oh like I don't want to help and I've seen it as like me having empathy for you and me trying to understand where you're coming from is not me saying everything has been going on is okay it's like I want to move forward with you and we have to do this together and for me to do that I have to see where you're coming from. Like I gotta, I gotta fight more. Like I've already, like I've already been like saying these things and really believing in this, and this has been my life's work. But to keep going is gonna be different, and I knew more is gonna be required of me. Mm. And so I have to be ready for doing things I don't want to do. And a piece of that is I will tell you when it's your self work. I will tell you when I don't want to have the conversation anymore. But I have to be willing to go into the conversation mm-hmm. and feel like I'm going to like learn something and I'm going to push myself and I'm going to try and see where we can connect. Connecting comes from, I have to see where you're coming from. But honestly, like it's time to do what's hard. And it's like, I said, and like we said in the beginning, like I said, I want to be on the right side of history. So if this is what it requires, then I'm going to do it because I feel like I've said this a whole bunch of times. Like I have so many kids I love I love, 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 love who are in Cleveland and who are in Newark and who are in Houston and who are, who are in Kentucky. And I need things to be better for them. Like I poured my heart and soul into getting them ready for the next grade level to get them ready for the future. I need the future to be ready for them. So if that means I have to like be frustrated more, like I will do it like until it's the last thing I do. If it makes life better for them. So like I, I have people in my life that I'm doing this for. It's not even about me anymore. So I'm willing to let go of things I think that it is true. Like I've been seeing such um a large amount of support from non blacks. Okay. Um, and I'm really surprised. Like mm-hmm. I the, the people that I am seeing it from, it is surprising me. They mm-hmm. are showing up and they are exceeding my expectations mm-hmm. um across the country, like even in, in I got a buddy out in Denver. No. And he is out there every night peacefully protesting. Mm -hmm. And he is a white ally. Mm -hmm. And there is a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And we just all need to come together. Yeah. And realize, like you said, it's like it's bigger than us. So I do want to recognize 
Today is June 5th. We're recording on Friday. I'm going to release on Sunday. And today is Breonna Taylor's birthday. Uh, Breonna Taylor was a Louisville, Kentucky resident. And um, the police entered her house with a no, it's called a no knock warrant, which allows police to enter without warning or without identifying themselves as law enforcement. And um, they fired several shots, striking her at least eight times. Um, her boyfriend who had a CCW was uh, alarmed and like trying to defend them because he didn't know who was going into the house. He was arrested and he was charged, but charges have been dropped. Um, but you should have been charged in the first I know, place. The cops were dropped. I, I know. I regret them. No, it's girl. It's a reaction. It's a real thing. And so um, I do want to recognize today is her birthday, and I. I don't know. My heart just goes out to the family. I, I don't know. But I definitely want to tell Lise, like, do a moment of silence. Like, do you want to say something first? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I didn't know her personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but her death was not in vain. Mm-hmm. And we will make a change. And this is unacceptable. And I think that we this shouldn't happen again like we should not be here doing this right now so no like there's been enough people it shouldn't be a thing but let's let's take a moment of silence so i do want to give her the moment of silence starting i think it is about time for us to close out our episode uh we appreciate you all we love you all um, Sunday sips at yahoo.com. Feel free to give suggestions for topics and drinks and ask questions. Um, follow us on Facebook. We just put out a playlist if you're looking for something like good to listen to. Um, I got a lot of good like protest hits from the 60s and 70s and today. Just like like come together, like feel good music. I love it, um, Beyonce. I I feel like it's like right now we need a time of healing. So let's let's heal. And with that, we love you all for listening. Like, share, subscribe. Bye. Bye.